Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If everyone's honest with yourself, most men, it's hard to be around your kids a lot. It is because they're, you know, they're just selfish little beings and, you know, you get more respect from the janitor at your work than you do your kids. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, and then, and then your wife's stressed out and it's like sometimes home is the last place you want to be as a man. And that's where the sac- that's where the sacrifice comes in is like, by God, I'm going to step up and leave my family, even when it effing sucks. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Attentive Fatherhood on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Bradley Hasemeyer. Each week, I bring you honest and hilarious conversations with men from all types of backgrounds. But at the end of the day, we all just want to be better dads. Hey, attempters, question. What is a wilderness guy from Alaska, a CEO of a wedding band company, and a father of four kids in five years all have in common? Only Peter Goodwin of Groove Life can answer that one. But first, welcome to the show and happy holidays. Have you done all your shopping? Have you, have you done it all? Have you finished it? Have you made your list? Checked it twice? Uh, have you done any of your <laughs> of your shopping? I hope so. Uh, as I'm standing in my closet at 10 o'clock at night recording this, I'm done. And I say I'm done because pretty much my wife did all of it. And I really appreciate that. She really uh, stepped up and did almost all the shopping, which is great. Except hers. I got hers. She doesn't get to pick hers. I don't know if that's... In my family growing up, my mom was like, she would unwrap present. Oh my gosh, this is the thing that I bought and then told you to wrap for me. No, we're doing surprises here. Um, quick plug, just to remind you, uh, if you are looking for a last minute gift, you can still get 15% off at birdhair.com with the code BIRDAF. That's B-Y-R-D-A-F. Shopping for a brother, a dad, heck, anyone. Kirsten actually uses their face wash and they have a, this sea salt spray that she loves. She uses that for her hair. I use a bunch of the other products. So there you go. Stocking stuffers. Uh, they're very small, which is great. Send them to friends, order it. Uh, send it around. Anyway, whatever bird has your back. Also, a shout out to all those dads making this an amazing season. Uh, not just a holiday season, but season three for Attempting Fatherhood. You've been sharing the episodes with your other dad friends. You've been sending DMs, uh, for messages of encouragement, and you've been following us on Instagram. We just crossed 400 dads. Boom. I'm stoked. I mean, uh, imagine if you were a part of 400 dads that got together every week to hear somebody talk. That's amazing. That's so cool. So stoked about that. Um, Presents. How do you guys do presents? This is something that uh, has come up in some of my conversations with other dads. So I I figured I'd bring it up here too. Uh, We've always lived in small places. So even though, you know, grandparents, they want to send a life-size Mickey Mouse stuffed animal or like a full princess castle that you have to register with the the city because it's so big. It's got a lava moat that's real lava. We've tried to keep all those things out of the house. Like, let's just keep it simple. We don't have space for that. We literally do not have space for that. And one thing that my wife found in her research, because she's really great at that, uh, was this idea of something to wear, something to read, something you want, something you need. Boom, four gifts. Something to wear, something to read, something you want, something you need. Now, we use those toward our kids. We don't necessarily use that for each other because 
by the end of it, we're like, what am I going to get you? Like a $4 pair of socks. We're out of money. Uh, and you know, of course it's nice because there's, at least there's some parameters around the shopping. Everyone has that same level of expectation. That's the other thing, right? You don't want to go into it and be like, you know, I got you a hoodie from Gap. And she's like, oh, cool. I got you this uh, $5,000 Rolex. And you're like, where did you get $5,000? Would be my first question. And the second, I just say, thank you. Thanks for that. Um, also, sometimes you double up, you know, you're like, I totally forgot I even got that thing, but it's an easy way to just like cross off those categories. So I don't know. You don't have to adopt that. Not at all. Um, but that's a little holiday hack coming from us. If you do, let me know how it goes. Maybe it's a little late in the game for me to be telling you that, but that's how dads are, right? We're like kind of right up to the minute. Uh, okay, anyway, on to my guest this week attempting fatherhood is Mr. Peter Goodwin. First, by the way, got to shout out Peter for being such a patient man. When we recorded this, this was a couple months ago now, we had so many tech issues on this episode. There was bad Wi-Fi, uh, an AirPod died, his his voice sounded really like a robot. We had to delete stuff and start back over. It, normally, these take about an hour. This was at least two hours of recording. He was very patient and very gracious. So, Peter, I'm, I'm saluting you here in the closet by myself. Okay, so he is the CEO of Groove Life. Now, you've probably seen Groove Life rings. Uh, these are, uh, you've probably seen them like uh, the ads in your social feed that pop up. They're the silicon bands. So a lot of athletes wear them because it's kind of more comfortable if you're super active uh, than just a regular metal wedding band or, you know, platinum or whatever your wedding band is. It won't rip your finger off, uh, which you might remember did happen to, to Jimmy Fallon and almost happened to me when my ring got snagged, snugged, snagged, whatever, past tense of snag on the hood of my car. I was running past my car and I had my hand low and it grabbed the corner and I swear I thought it was going to pull my finger off. Ooh, I, I don't even... I don't want to get go there, but they look really cool. They have other areas that they've gotten into as well as belts. That's very, very popular. We'll talk a little bit about that. His dad stats. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He's been married for 13 years and they have four kids in five years. That's three girls and one boy. Now, Peter has easily one of the most diverse resumes of anyone that we've talked to so far. He has the background of a sheep herding missionary. Yes, in the Middle East, uh, he was also a commercial fisherman. He dropped out of college. He led wilderness guides in Alaska. He, of course, started a business. <laughs> like, what? All these crazy things. And he's he's uh, in his 40s, I would say. I don't think I actually asked his age, but I get the vibe that that's, that's his thing, uh, his, his age. Um, I did. I really loved his insight in this conversation into work-life balance. We all struggle with that. He, he talks a little bit about kind of how things were at the beginning of the business to how they are now. Also, the power of the phone in your hands. He brought this up. I thought this was a really good point. When the kids are around you, he was saying, you could be looking for something on your phone, fun to do with them, like a carnival thing or, you know, what's open or are there any movies? But all they see is you paying attention to this device instead of them. And I was like, that's such a good point because sometimes I'm like, hey, like just relax, leave me alone. Don't talk to me right now. I'm trying to find something fun for you. But the reality is it's like, it's still, you're still ignoring them. So I thought that was interesting. Also, he talks about how a family should have a mission statement and the kids are a part of that. He even goes so far as to say, you need to force your kids to do stuff that they might not be totally interested in because that is a part of how this family works. And that's what this family does. And I know that sounds harsh, but he's talked about how he's really seen the rewards of that. And some of that comes out of his relationship with his dad, because his dad was really into stuff that he wasn't. And he's like, I wish my dad had me 
working with him on some of those projects instead of just being like, okay, go do your own thing. And uh, so that got me thinking a lot because I'm more the latter. I'm more like, hey, if you're interested in it, go for it. And if not, don't worry about it. So, um, and and of course, like a lot of these chats, it gets real, real at the end. Uh, he's getting into some aspects of dad life. He's very passionate about, namely how sacrifice is the marker of how well your dad life is going. And he knows firsthand, he talks about a major sacrifice he's going through right now. So anyway, really great conversation. So I'm super excited that you guys could be here for this. Without further ado, pull up a glass of whiskey or water, turn on your Yule Log video on Netflix, prop up your feet with some nice warm slippers and find out how Peter Goodwin is attempting fatherhood. Well, Peter Goodwin, thank you for attempting fatherhood. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. And it is an attempt. Well, I, I'm really excited to talk to you because uh, for, uh, for I would say, three reasons. One, you're a dad, which is great. So I love talking to dads. Number two, you you created and run your own business, which is very fascinating to me because I think there's a lot of overlap to being a parent, not just a dad. Uh, and then third, it's groove life. So you've got wedding rings and like you're really impacted on the guy side and and you guys offer other things as well but i feel like that's where you really made your mark um so explain to me a little bit what groove life is for people who may not um be familiar with you though Mm -hmm. they should be and they will be after this podcast that's right um but give me kind of the the elevator pitch i know you came from alaska and you kind of wanted to do something different um but tell me a little bit about what groove life is and why it's important to you yeah groove life is an outdoor active accessory brand we cater towards people that live active lifestyles we started with the groove ring uh so that was a silicone ring that had grooves on the inside we now have belts watch bands and we just launched a wallet uh so we're kind of we want to be the Pat- yeah we want to be the Patagonia of accessories so we want to be kind of in control of our own destiny, making really cool stuff that's expensive, but has lifetime warranties and we take care of our people. Um, so yeah, it was, and this is my second career. I started this five years ago and I'm 40. Yeah. All right. We're about the same age. I'm 41. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the about because I'm one year older. I'm yeah. going to give you that. How was the response to like shaking up the wedding ring industry? Because I think, you know, every guy who's been married understands that's a whole, the wedding world, a lot of women, you know, too, go into it like, what? You're charging me how much for flowers just because I said the word wedding and like I have to wear a band now and it has to be this way and that way. And and there's a lot of like, you know, well, it's tradition. And then you're like, but that doesn't have to be our tradition. Um, So tell me a little bit about kind of that. That would be a big deal. Yeah. So the reason I didn't want to be, I mean, I never grew up wanting to be a, you know, in the jewelry business. And I, I would, I would hope that that's not where we are now. We're trying to, you know, expand outside of just jewelry, but, um, my wife bought me a silicone ring. I was a fishing mountain hunting guy in Alaska since 1999 until 2015, 16. And so while I was, you know, running boats, flying airplanes, doing the whole thing, we lived out in the bush lived off a generator and half the year when we run the, ran our lodge. And so I could not wear a metal ring. I never wore a ring. Cause if you lose your ring out in the bush, you would, you know, it's not okay. Good. So, uh, yeah. so I wore a rubber ring and, uh, it made my fingers sweat. So I thought, man, surely there's a way to do this better. And I'd never made a product. I'd always traded my time for money, which is what most people do service. And, and so 
and I've never been motivated by money or, or growing a business or running a large business. That's never been my KPI in life. It's been experience, which was, you know, if you're a guy, it's like farming. You, you're not a farmer to make money. You're a farmer because you like love to farm. Uh, so I love the guide. I love the outdoors. I yeah. Love yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, I mean, just kind of stumbled on it. My wife's like, Hey, why don't you do something with your time in the winter besides book trips? Cause you have some margin because in the winter in Alaska, you don't do a lot uh, besides book trips for the next summer. And yeah. so a buddy of mine came in. Come and, look at snow. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. boy. Yeah. And snow's cool, but it's the dark and the snow combined where most people don't come to Alaska in the winter because uh, it's very dark. So yeah, true. Yeah. So we, again, you know, I'm kind of minding my own business being a hunting, fishing, you know, tour guide and, and, uh, and a buddy of mine comes in to the lodge. He flew in and we were having a steak or whatever. And he, he says, yeah, I'm selling selfie sticks on Amazon. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, times are tough. You know, do you need a loan or something? And he's like, no, I just crossed a million dollars in sales in 10 months. And I said, you know, like my mind, like what, what? I, I thought selling things on the internet was like selling used books on eBay. You know, it's like not legitimate. You do it when you're, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. you're either a total shyster or you're doing it because you need an extra hundred bucks. And so he, he, he kind of helped me figure out how, yeah, to, exactly. how, how to source the product and all that. So yeah, we went from hunting guide, fishing guide to jeweler, I guess. And, uh, you know, served a market yeah. of people, served a market of people that was being, not being served. There were already silicone rings in the market, but nobody was really serving that outdoors person. Um, they were kind of more serving yoga and CrossFitters. And so we kind of, we, we, you know, the, the, the basis to all business is find a product and prove it, tell a different story to a different audience that's already being served. So, and you have a business, you find a niche. So mm. that's where we started accidental jewelers now. No, we're not. We're accidental, uh, uh, disruptors <laughs> of the ring industry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, I remember, didn't Jimmy Fallon almost lose his finger because of a wedding ring thing? He, he like, lost it. Yeah. Uh, and then they, they like put it, yeah, like, yeah, sewed I, it back on and now it doesn't, you know. Where <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's, he's fortunate, uh, from a uh, uh, NBC standpoint, that that was the finger and not a different one. Truly. Uh, that he now has to keep straight all the time. Truly. Um, I, I, well, I'm I'm curious if like, did you guys get a bump during that? Was that like all of a sudden people were like, wait a second, maybe I, if I'm active, I don't need this chain on my finger. Um, I think that happened right before we launched actually. So it did help the competition. It helped the category as a whole. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. there was already, people are pretty problem aware of rings in, in, you know, there's 500,000 people a year that deglove their finger. And so somebody usually, if you're, especially in the rural communities, you Ooh. know, you know, somebody that's lost their finger, uncle Bubba, you know, whatever, and the farm equipment. Yep, so yep. There's, there's a lot. And then a lot of industries will not allow rings in the marketplace and the military discourages it. So, so there's already a big problem to be solved. I think we solved oh. the, the breathability side, right? So it's one thing to, it's one thing to put a piece of rubber on your finger and it just sweat and it like gets all nasty under there. It's another to put grooves on it and allow it to it breathe, yeah, yeah. And breathe. And that was kind of our thing. And then we've developed it into the Zeus ring, which doesn't stretch. And then our belt, you know, we came out with the belt last year and that's almost 50% of our revenue now. So the belt groove belt and the groove wallet. So yeah, oh, we're wow. just, we're just knocking it down. That's why it's groove life. It's groove it's life. life. It's all the groove. It's all the accessories of life. <laughs> Give me your dad stats. Uh, how long married? How many kids? And uh, where you live? So we live in Nashville, Tennessee now. 
for the last four years. I have been married for 13 years to the same woman. Congratulations. No, <laughs> just playing. <laughs> and, uh, no, big time, big time. Congratulations and, to her. Yeah, to her, for sure. And then uh, four kids. My kids, I had four kids. My wife had four kids in five years. And so we that was a big push for a while. We moved, moved to Nashville. My in-laws live here and, and my parents as well. So we have a lot of help now. That's got to be a key for you guys in terms of having a successful family is that that familial support. Yeah, it's a big deal. um, It would be, you know, we have date nights, which I know a lot of people I know that had moved here to Nashville. They don't have that. You know, they never get a date night um, with young kids, you know, so that that's a bit it's it's helpful for sure. It's definitely I mean, there's a there's a lot to be said for kind of the village aspect that we've lost in our society, uh, being able to share each other's burdens with child rearing because uh, it's an intense, very intense, uh, I wouldn't say battle, but um, intense challenge every day, you know, and having mom or grandma or whatever, uh, grandma in-laws is a big deal. When you, when you were a kid growing up was, was like, you know, you're in Alaska, you're in the wilderness. Was it a rural existence or were you like in Anchorage and you just lived like a city life or uh, what was that like? Yeah, so it was a little different. I was born in Alaska, and then we moved to Alabama when I was six. So I still have the twang. You can hear it a little bit in my voice. But then I started, my, all my extended family still lived in Alaska, and my parents started sending me up there when I was 12. And so I lived, I've lived seasonally in Alaska pretty much since then. Um, in, in some, you know, half the year or, or you know. And then, and then I, right out of high school, I graduated. And then two days later, I moved up there, started commercial fishing in the Bering Sea with, for salmon, and then started my guiding career. Um, and then, you know, went to college um, and still seasonally guided, dropped out of college because I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't find a degree that I really wanted to do. Went into the mission field, lived over in Kyrgyzstan for a long time, and, and then uh, nomadic sheep herders. And then, wow. Uh, then met my wife and we moved up there full time in 2010 and we are, uh, yeah. And then we just moved back, you know, three years ago, so four years ago. So, but, but growing up, it was, uh, was that a big ask Yeah, to, for her? Yeah. Like, Hey honey, I love you. By the way, we need to move to Alaska. Was she like, wait, what? No, she kind of knew. I mean, my wife is opposite of me, like a lot of men. I mean, in every way. <laughs> uh, she's a veterinarian. She was at Auburn finishing up vet school, and I like rolled in with long hair, and I just been killing bears for two months <laughs> with my clients. And you know, she's like, "Who's this? Who, who's this guy?" You know. And uh, somehow I convinced her to start dating me, and then I convinced her to marry me, which is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, sure. but, yeah. Um, she kind of knew it was in me, and and we, you know, we're a family of faith, so we, I, I try to submit to God to lead yeah. us and not just me, some bravado, you know, guy that right, something I couldn't to convince prove. my wife yeah. to cross the street just for, yeah, yeah. I mean, I really can't, I'm, I'm pretty good at sales, but my wife can see through me <laughs> in a second. So, but she does when she can, she can tell when I'm like listening to God. So we were, we were both praying about what we were supposed to do. And I felt called to go move back full time. And, you know, but I was open. I was like, Hey, whatever God wants. And so yeah. she kind of sensed that. And I think she felt the same thing. So yeah, we, we just followed. We, we both say, you know, we followed God back to Alaska and then he, he brought us back to Nashville 
which I'm still, you know, a little bitter about because I loved it up there. But, um, but it wasn't that hard of a sell because because I don't think it was me she was following, which is good. It, do you do you get frustrated when people in Nashville complain about the winter? They're like, oh, it's so cold. It's oh gosh. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But but I, I have to say I complain about summer all summer long. So they so it, it equals. Okay, out. that's fair. That's yeah. I didn't consider the flip side of that. The uh, yeah, the yeah. hot, humid uh, oh, Tennessee man, yeah. summers. It's so hot. And then when you guys got married, was it like, hey, we want to have a big family? Or was it kind of like, you know, we'll see what happens? Were, were kids in the picture from the top? Yeah, for sure. We wanted kids, but, you know, all of our kids were accidents. We didn't plan any of them. And, but we weren't, we were kind of, we're, we were just kind of like, hey, we're, um, to a certain extent, we, we were not planning. You know, we didn't try to control everything. We were just like, man, if it happens, it happens. So that's why it happened four yep. or five years. And then we were like, okay, we got to figure out what's <laughs> happening here. We have to stop this madness. And so, uh, so then we took a little bit more of an actionable, actionable step there to stop that. But, uh, but yeah, we, we, we did not plan to have that many kids in that short amount of time. And, it, you know, it's, it's been intense, but I think they're very close. So I think there's some benefits to that. I mean, there's benefits to the either way, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But my wife, you know, she's a. She wants to do her career thing and, and be, be, you know, and that was a big thing for us when, when we started having kids is how, how if I'm working and I, a lot of times I was flying out for a month at a time with clients and okay she's working and how do we do the child thing? And so we had to, we had to figure that out and she is um, currently not practicing until the kids all get back into school uh, or go to school. She's kind of being the, doing the mom thing. And, um, but it's very, very intense. I mean, a lot of days she's like, why did I ever choose to do this? I want to go back to my career tomorrow. And I think that's pretty common. I mean, you know, again, raising children is the biggest, I think it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do long-term, right? It pays the longest dividends because children are eternal, but also in your own life, as far as satisfaction rating, you're not going to look, you're not going to look back and be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I wish I'd have made more money or had more clients in my business. You're going to look back and be like, man, I raised really great children that, uh, you know, followed our values and they, they've had children and, you know, the legacy continues. So yep. it's, but it's, it's, it's a grind, you know, uh, like anything that's worth, worth doing. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about kind of work-life balance. Are you, uh, you know, I, I know you, you said, uh, that you've kind of, uh, expanded, over the garage with a bit of an office. You just needed to get out of the house. I totally understand that concept. Uh, I'm a lot of what I do is work from home, and that was great for a while. And then sometimes I find like I can't be efficient here with uh, with so much stuff happening, and so right. I totally relate to that. But how do you, you know, running a business is great. You're on, you know, people are like, oh, if I just run my own business, you're on your own time. It's great. You're doing your own thing. But then you also have to be able to set boundaries and like. It's, it's easy to have that phone in your pocket and like you're playing with your kids and then it's like, well, I'm, I'm done, but I'm kind of not totally done. I just want to check this email real quick. How are, how are you able to kind of balance that, that work life uh, for you guys and your family? Right. I'm in a little bit different position now than I was just, you know, say two years ago. And so I'll kind of talk about that from, from, from the start until just two years ago, you know, it was uh, two or yeah, it was pretty much me. I was, you know, I, I was the CEO of the company, which I still am, but I was very much in the weeds. And so I was working crazy amounts. But I think one thing, my, because I don't really value money very much or my career or, you know, I, I just don't, I, I value relationships. I've always been that way. Mm. Um, and when I was guiding, I really guided because I love to see people 
and you know experience catching a fish on a flyer or, or climbing the mountains or seeing the eagles for the first time is very important to me but um so i i've always been pretty balanced i you know my measure of success is how um, well, my marriage is doing and then how well my kids are, you know, how awesome they are. And I have, yeah. you know, specific KPIs for what that is. And so, uh, so what that means is I would just work like a madman from, you know, eight, eight until five 30. I've always tried to get home by five, five 30. Um, and until the kids go to bed and then I would work till 2 AM just every day. I did that for years. Wow. And now I'm in a different position. We have, I have 215 employees and I have a full executive team. I work from home because um, it's too chaotic at work. <laughs> when I go to work, everybody <laughs> just asks me questions. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, I work from the garage, the barn, the, the barn now. But, but even now, I mean, I think it's, I don't know. It, it's, it, my kids are very, very important to me, more important than anything else that I could do you know, in my career. The reason I started Groove was to just provide, I wanted to make $50,000 more a year. Um, in, in Alaska, $50,000 is like $20,000 for everybody else. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Expensive right, right. So we wanted to have a little, little, we had a little retirement, a little vacation money, and a little bit of money to put away for the kids' education. Um, future and so we did not intend to make groove as big as it is and, and it's kind of been a surprise but it but um yeah i, I think to answer your question work-life balance i if, if i've done anything pretty well it's that and i because i yeah i don't know i just was able to find really good people to help me work and and we enforce that at groove like we're yeah. not we don't allow anybody to be workaholics um and, and some people go home and work at home but but we pretty much tell everybody you got to be out of there by five or six or you're gonna you know we don't your family's more important than these stupid rings mm -hmm. and all these money and all this you know you don't have anything to prove like just if you can't get your work done between eight and five you suck at your job anyway so you gotta, you gotta start doing something else um and there's there's times when you when you have to work more than that but <clears throat> but if they're not balanced at home if i'm not balanced at home and then I'm going to be a tyrant of a leader. I'm not going to grow a great business. They're not going to love. They're not going to be dedicated to me. Um, it, you know, it's, it's self. You just got to treat people the way you'd like to be treated. All right, guys, let's take a, a second just to, to talk about the dad bod. Hey, I don't know if you're someone out there who's dieted before, but the reality is diets aren't the same for everybody. You have biology, you have DNA sequencing in your body that's going to resonate with some diets and not others and certain parts of those diets and all that. So Calibrate is this, this new way to approach it. It's a comprehensive doctor-guided metabolic reset that promotes sustainable results through lifestyle changes. Yes, not just skip a meal and you're good to go. Calibrate works because they combine prescribed, FDA-approved medication with lifestyle changes. So that improves your metabolic health. They offer a fully integrated program that includes classes, one-on-one -on -one video coaching, in-app tracking, and connection to community with members like yourself. They provide a comprehensive wellness plan personalized to your needs, so they make it easy to fit Calibrate into your busy schedule. With the app, you can look at it as often or as little as you like. Personally, I love tracking that kind of stuff, so I'd be looking at it a lot. All the goals you set are personalized and tracked, not just by yourself, but by doctors and coaches. That, to me, makes a lot of difference. So it's time to get back in control with Calibrate. You can get $50 off the one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, at joincalibrate.com. 50 bucks off when you use BLEAV 
at joincalibrate.com. Okay, enough about the dad bod. Let's get back to the show. I think that's crucial. I mean, it sounds like for you that comes pretty easily. I know that's not always the case for guys. A lot of the dads I've talked to, you know, talk about having to to really set boundaries or to try to have these clear delineations, you know, okay, no phone at the table, that's a no phone zone or, uh, you know, no phone in the bedroom or, you know, like whatever they've, they've kind of come up with ways to, uh, you know, kind of create these systems to help them, uh, kind of pursue that balance. And I think that's, that's not an easy thing to do. Even if you don't have kids, it's not easy to always be present in a conversation, even right now, it's like, you right. know, my Can phone we, is binging right, at me right. and I'm sure yours is too. And it's like, stuff is happening around us. I've got, you know, family finishing lunch and there's a squirrel on a fence. It's like, I'm trying to just stay focused in this, not to mention like, you know, kids right. pulling at you or, or that kind of thing. So it sounds like you already kind of had those muscles built in, which is really nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say, I mean, on the macro scale, yes. On the micro scale, Having a phone in the house is a big problem. I mean, I'm I'm struggling with that now. There's a there's a phone. I've, I've considered just leaving my other phone in my truck or or um, at the office or in my barn, and then having a flip phone for yeah. in the evenings just in case somebody needs to call. But I can't really text and I can't really get online. And then if we that's- do need to get online, there's a computer we can log in and get online. So that's what I'm thinking about doing now. Um, and I've I've actually. A couple of buddies of mine have started to do that, and they said it's been great. Just because the kids, here's the message you send your children. You could be like researching something to do with them, right? That looks fun and, you know, on YouTube. They don't know that. They just think that you don't, you're not paying attention to them. And I am the chief, and my wife is too. We're the chief centers of this. That we, we, it's, it, you know, we can justify it all day long. Oh, you know, because my wife, now everything's online. Like she buys the groceries online, right? And they, you know, and then she goes and picks them up. Everything in our clothes, everything she would go do with the kids or mm. she just does it online now. And but they don't know what's going on. They just see that you're not paying attention to them. And and it's unfortunate. So there's and I, we I, personally, our family, we're right in the middle of that right now. So on a micro level, not doing great. You know, we're trying to figure it out on a macro level. I know what's most important. I, I know what I want my children to be like when they're older. And I know what I want to be said of me on my when I'm dead, and I know what I want to look back on when I'm on my deathbed, and know what my success metrics are. So, but the day to day is still I'm still human. We're still, you know, it's yeah. So, what what was the equivalent of that for our parents' generation? Like, was it was it the football and a and a cup of you know a, a glass of whiskey, or was it the newspaper in the morning? Like, mm. I was trying to think of how would this be okay. Now it's not. You're on your phone. You can't be on your phone. You know, at least internally, I feel that way. And I'm wondering what the equivalent was. Like, you know, you see like Leave it to Beaver or something and like dad's reading the paper in the morning while kids are having Cheerios. So, but like that was okay because you're reading the paper. But clearly, I don't know. I was just curious if there's anything you can think of as kind of like the, like it wasn't that my parents tried to escape the moment. It was like, I knew they were there maybe because we had to run those errands, even though they weren't thinking of me while they're driving me to, you know, Old Navy to get, right. you know, a wardrobe thing right. for school. You're or still with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. My dad was, you know, yeah, they, they didn't have cell phones when they, my dad was yeah. in his career, you know, in the early in the 80s and 90s. And I don't even have they th- got anything done. <laughs> but uh, but he would come home at 530 and. I remember, you know, he'd always put his robe on it like seven. <laughs> and uh, growing up, you know, it was what your dad did. You know, now now I'm older. I'm like, that was kind of interesting. Uh, oh, that's amazing. I, yeah, my dad was very – actually, my dad 
Yeah, my dad was very present. My dad was very, my dad had a really shitty fatherhood or a uh, childhood. And uh, the fact that he pulled out of that, a lot of it had to do with his mm. faith. He got saved when he was 18. But then just, just, um, just how he parented us and sacrificed for us, which I'd love to talk about the sacrifice uh, because I think that's the uh, essence of fatherhood. But mm. um, yeah, I don't know. He was always pretty present and we didn't even have anything in common. And he was always trying to like engage us. So yeah. I oh, like, like, what do you mean? Like you were into sports and he wasn't, or what do you mean? Like you didn't have in common? Oh yeah. My dad liked to, my dad liked to garden and cook <laughs> and I like to, hit balls and kill things you know what I mean? and, and, and pretty much, you know, with my BB gun and whatever. And so, and where, I don't know where that came from. Like it didn't come from him. He never modeled that to me. And so I just, I mean, I got a BB gun when I was five and everything in the neighborhood died, you know? And, uh, and I just, I just, I've always been that way, you know? And now, I've, now I've learned what conservation is and, you know, eating what you kill. And so my yeah. son has a BB gun and he kills lots of birds, but he eats everything that he kills everything. I, All I right. how to cook it and everything. Nice. You had a question. That, you know, I don't know if you want to ask him, but I can dive into him. But one of them is like, what did your dad do that you would continue doing? What 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 is what did your da- dad not do that or do that you don't want to do? Yeah, yeah. I, I, That's a great question. So one thing my dad did did that I try to do. I have three girls and one boy. My boy is the oldest, and my boy and I overlap a lot in what our desires are. He's very. Uh, not so much in sports, really. He's not, he likes sports, but he's not that talented at them. And, uh, which, you know, whatever. I, I don't care. I mean, my, it's, that's the cool thing about my dad. When my dad was not into sports at all, like he, he couldn't hit a ball if you, you know, threw it at him and, and, it, 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 and it would hit him and he wouldn't hit it. And so when I would play little league and I would strike out, like most parents would be like, Johnny, you suck. You know, my dad would be like, man, what a swing. If you would have hit that, it would have gone out of the park. You're the most amazing kid. So he, he just kind of was always amazed oh, that I could wow. actually hit a ball. And yeah, so yeah. I kind of have done that with my son. Is like, you, you know, you know, he can't, I love him to death, but you know, he's has a hard time, you know, in football and everything. He just not, he didn't have that not like, his killer thing. drive. Yeah, him, yeah. You know what I mean? He's kind of timid. Totally. He's, he's just kind of, he likes it. He likes it, but he just doesn't have the, you know, he's not just going to go. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm like, look, I don't care if you got the flag on the football or as long as you played your hardest, then you were successful and you had a good time, you know? And so that's what my dad did with me is figured out. Like I love to hunt. My dad had never hunted in his life and he would take me to the little wildlife management area and, you know, public land. And we would just walk around and we never, and with a BB gun or whatever, we never killed anything ever. Like not once. And I, but I remember <laughs> him doing that on his Saturdays. He was a, he was a corporate guy. So he had Saturday and Sunday off and okay. he would take me for like four hours on a Saturday and we just walk around and we'd listen to Karen Carpenter in the car. Yes. That, oh, the Carpenter is like, amazing. You know, again, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the 80s. It was the it was 80s. The 80s. Everything was so, better. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. But uh, so my girl, my William and I get along pretty good. Uh, and uh, But my girls are totally different. You know, they're not end up really hunting and fishing. They'll go with me. But more just because they're young and I can get them to do that. But uh, yeah, so I, try to you meet, take them. <laughs> I try to meet them where they're at. Um, and the, the other thing that my dad didn't do that I wish he would have my dad loved like was really good at mechanical yeah. things and um wiring and you know uh, electrical stuff and he never really taught me that he never forced me to do things 
And I will say that there's a balance to forcing your children to do things that you're interested in. Because I think one of the big disservices we can do for our kids is make it all about them. We drive them all over God's creation to take them to this practice and that practice and this. And what are you interested in? Oh, little Johnny, you know, you're the greatest. And then, and then, but we, we kind of lose ourselves, right? So I'm pretty passionate about oh, what, am yeah. I interest, what, am, what am my wife and I interested in? And by God, you're coming and you can have a good attitude. You know, there's, a, we, we try to incorporate it so it's fun for them. But I think that's a huge problem in our society today is that everything's revolved around these kids and there's no balance. I think there definitely mm. needs to be like little Johnny's an artist. Let's take him on a date and we'll paint something. That's good. And it's all about little Johnny. Uh, but it's, but to this, an extent that the parents lose their identity when they have children is not, not excusable because the, the kids, you know, that's why people join the military. They want to be a part of something bigger and your family is bigger than Ooh, the children. Interesting. So your, your family should be bigger than the children and the family should have its own mission and its own culture that the f- kids fit into forcibly. Right. Like you are a part of this culture. You are a good one child. Yep. Good one children yep. do this. They do this. They do this. And when we go camping, you do this and we're going camping. There's no, you know, you can't just opt out. And, and so it's just, it's a balance. <laughs> it's just a balance. Um, but I think, I think I wish my dad would have done that as we had a little bit more of a defined family culture and they, and I was forced to be a part of that. Um, I think we kind of lean toward the other a little bit, like, it was all about us and, 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 and again, it's, it's a balance. It's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think is a big epidemic in our society is that parents don't have any hobbies themselves because they're running after Tom, Dick and Harry and taking them to all these things. And, and instead, what is the, you know, it's okay. We like in my family, we do one sport a year uh, or ballet or yep, whatever, or a season, good. right? Like we can, and, and, and it's can't have more than one practice a week and one game a week. Like that's like, I'm not spending my time running you all over God's creation. Like our family is doing this. We, we like to camp. We like to do all these different things. Um, my wife and I do, and we force the children to do them. Absolutely. You, there is non-negotiable. You are a good one child, good one children do this. When we go here, you do this, you clean up after yourself. Like uh, we own a farm, you know, you're going to go out and help me plant today. You're going to help me bush hog today. Like you're going to get on the weed eater, go. My son's learning how to ride it, you know, do the zero turn. So we have, we kind of have our own goals and, and things that we're doing as a family and forcing our children to do. And I, I think that's, you know, of course they buck us and it's terrible to try to get them to do anything because they're kids, they're selfish. <laughs> they just want to play all the time and, and fight, yeah. you know, fight with each other. But when you, when you do that, I think it instills, I have some people that I look up to that have done that with their children and it's, they're very clear on what their family goals are and the children are part of that. Mm. And it's, it's really cool to see them grow up with a sense of they are not number one. They are not the center. They are part of a bigger unit that has a bigger goal than them. And they have their own little sub goals, like they want to be on the soccer team and they want to do this. And and, the fa- and I think there's a balance, right? I think my my family probably yep. lean toward the other too much, and I think most families do. I think it's to you know bring them back. And maybe in the old days, little Johnny didn't matter at all; like he just was a hand on the farm. You know, that's probably a little bit too much. <laughs> right, right. Is <laughs> so, it too far the other way? Right, right, right. So just kind of you know. But I think it's important that that the parents have. Uh, passions and goals and visions that they incorporate their children into. Um, 
I take my kids up to Alaska every year because I'm from Alaska. So, um, and my wife stays here. Like that's my thing. And we go hiking and backpacking and they're little, like I've been doing this since my, we moved here and William was five and now he went moose hunting with me, bear hunting with me. And he's crying and whining and I'm telling him to suck it up. Like, this is what we're good ones. We don't cry and whine. We go after it up the mountain. And my, you know, my young daughter just went last year. She was six and, you know, same thing. And and they now tell people about what we do every year as a family. And it's, they're so passionate about telling everybody about it. So I think they feel a part of something bigger. So anyway, that's, that's my, something I wish my family would have done. I love that, man. I I think there's so much truth to that. A a common thing I get from a lot of the dads, either if it's dad vice or it's, you know, a fear as a dad, A, a lot of them talk about losing myself. Um, you know, I think when I was, you know, so let's see, I'm from the South originally. So a lot of my friends got married young and I didn't get married until I was 31, which is, you know, practically like retirement age, uh, in the South when it comes like, well, you're just going to be, you die <laughs> right. single forever. That's I'm way old. too old. Wait, yeah. No one wants right. you now. So, uh, but a lot of, I saw a lot of not necessarily my friends because I think they, they kind of thought around this, but a lot of people in that age group, it was like, okay, we have a kid. We're not doing anything else. Like this is our full focus. We're right. just going to find, and right. you, you lose yourself. You lose who you are and what you like. And in the process, all the research that your life has accrued over 25, 30, 35 years, whatever is then lost. You're doing your kids a disservice right by not bringing right. that wealth of your experience into it and potentially right. opening up other doors that they might be interested in. Like, you, who knows? You may have been like, wow, I really love working on a Cessna. I would have never known that had I not, you know, right. noticed that the right. passion of my dad in that way yeah. and, and been forced to do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and there is a, a, an element of, you know, I, I've learned, I learned so much. It sounds like you probably do too, from my wife, just in terms of like, She's so smart in the way she handles things. And one of the things that we've brought into the family is, well, two, two things I think of. One, we're not now a family that we have a kid. We were already a family and we're going a direction as, as freelance actors and, and performers. And we're, now this yeah. kid hops on the train. And so we're going to keep going that way. We're not going to just throw the brakes on and now look at this thing. It's like, hop on board. We're going to keep traveling. We're going to keep, you know, come to set and be a part of this and hold this camera and do these things. and. And so we're incorporating that. Um, have you have you found any uh, tips or tricks for the uh, you know uh, convincing the kid to do the thing they don't want to do? I.e., you know, working on the farm, hiking the mountain. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you know, like my kids, I wanted them to love dove hunting. I, it's a kind of a family thing that I, I cherish, and I want them all to love it. So the the way you get your kids to love anything that you do is to associate a dopamine hit with that act action right and that's in the in the sense of uh, you know it's just break you know basic brain function uh yeah. it's how addiction started it's how everything you know the pavlovian positive response that's right. yeah, yeah for sure yeah. so so yeah i mean man when we go dove hunting you know and i start them young they sit with me and then they go retrieve the birds uh, but it's hot and it's, you know, it's loud and, but man, I'm like feeding them candy and Coke and, you know, and so, <laughs> so now my, you know, my, my daughter, my daughter who doesn't even like hunting, she, you know, you step on a bug and she's freaking out. She loves to go hunting more than any of them, you know? And then she's like ripping the breast out of the dove and then we're cooking them and she's eating them because <laughs> she's, a, for, for three years now, she's associated that with a, something in her brain said, this is good. 
So yeah, uh, so I'm yeah, doing it for the skittles. Are, I'm yeah. doing it for the skittles. Oh, taking the feathers off. Give me a coke. Here comes the guts. <laughs> more, 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 more sugar. More, more, more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's just like parenting hack right there. You don't have to like be mean to your kids. You just have to you know know how the brain works. And uh uh-huh. So we do everything we, like even chores around the house. Like everything's associated with with reward, right? Um, and or lack of reward. So you know, yeah. hey, if you do these chores, here's what you get at the end. You know, you can get a little Twix, or at the end of the week, you get mm-hmm. your five dollar allowance and stuff like. That. I mean, that's just basic humanity, right? We're not. Nobody wants to be told what to do because we said so. It's like, well, there is some of that, but you, there's also some benefit to you at the end. You do it. Was that something that I feel like that's been a bit of a culture shift to a lot of the dads I've talked to were like, I hated hearing because I said so or because I'm the parent. So with my kids, when it comes up to that, I, I explain at least a little. Like, well, why do we have to do this? Because yeah. this is an integral part yeah. of being on right. a team and being in the farm instead of just like because I'm the parent and I said so. Is that something you guys have worked with, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't really say because we say so. Because I can sympathize with that, man. I, I, I went to you know, a very strict private school. And they would say that all the time. And I made their lives a living hell and they made my life a living hell. Uh, so I just, I just, I hate that author- authoritative stance. I mean, sheesh. I mean, that's like anti-American. It's anti-everything in the human yeah. spirit, right? You need to know some context. It's anti-human. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to tell you, you know, one of your questions, I'm sorry, I'm hijacking your questions here, but the defined fatherhood one. I, I know you touched on it earlier. It sounded like a selflessness, but I want you to kind of dig into that. That's good. Just fatherhood and just manhood in general. What, you know, and, and, it, and, it, and it's not, you know, not just for men. I mean, women too, but I think the measure of a person is in this life and how much they accomplish, how much, how fulfilled they, you know, are how successful they are in relationships for sure is a direct correlate correlation to sacrifice that they make. Mm. And um, so, it, it, which is like, Oh, it's the opposite of what we want to hear. Right. As human beings, like well, yeah, a sacrifice, like surely there's another way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but there's not, I mean, if you really want to be a good father, you, you have to sacrifice everything. Now, I said that, you know, and, and, and it's not lost to me what I was saying earlier about not losing yourself. And there's a balance. But I think because um, I, I think, again, a lot of my views are based off my faith. And yeah, Jesus sure. said in John, you know, 15, 3 said, you know, greater love has no one than this. And he laid down his life for the sake of his friends. So when I when people say, hey, what do you think the measure of a man is? I'm like, well. Let's look at Jesus. Why was he not some like limp little, you know, religious leader that's pale skin? Like he was a badass. Like yeah. he was a carpenter. And, I, and then he died for people because he loved them. Right. Yeah. And so, and he says, Hey, no one, no one is greater love than that. And, and I don't think, I don't care if you're religious or not. I don't think you will disagree that true, that like the true test of love is it would you die for that person mm. right like would you sacrifice yourself mm. so let's say you know that's like the pinnacle like you die for them what's the next you know your time yeah that's very that's the second most you know important asset that you have in this life and then money and yeah. then you go down you know uh, so it's it's like what what are you sacrificing for your kids and what are you sacrificing for your wife 
any good husband will tell you that it's a good husband. It's, you know, and we're all good husbands at times and bad husbands. At times, but <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't wanna, you know, I, I get it. It's a, it's a, stage. it's a broad brush. It's, it's I get it. Yeah. But whenever you look at back when, like when you're in a really good season with your wife, you, you can, you can pretty much correlate it to you are present. You're looking in her eyes. You're probably going on dates. You've gotten her flowers. You've sacrificed time. And that's what she reads. What love is right. If you're like mm. my wife, she's like, if anybody's wife's like mine, it's like, it's not that I didn't, that I got her a card or flowers. Did I write a really nice note? Think about her. Did yeah. I sacrifice my time and my yeah. m- mental capacity for her. And that's how we, I think that's how we can express love to people. And that's how we receive love. So, um, Anyway, I, I think the measure of a man in fatherhood, especially, is sacrifice. You know, what do I really want to go color at Starbucks with my seven-year-old daughter and get a, you know, get a get a steamer? No, I've got like a freaking million things to do. Yeah, and I, you know, for their benefit, right? Like, yeah, I yeah, need to make yeah. money so that they can go to college. Right, right, right. Men, how we justify it, saying you know, no? Essentially, we justify. Yeah. And, and really, work is selfish. I mean, work as men for sure. We love work. Like, yeah. Let's be honest. We love to accomplish things. It's a. I mean, work is a blessing in a lot of ways. Um, we we love to get attaboys from our authority. Like we just we just like it is harder to go get spit on by a three year old, right? <laughs> and told that you they hate you. Yeah. And you know and uh, you know whatever, right? Like they're just positive havoc in your home you're like f this i'm yeah, out of here i'm yeah. going to work to provide for my family you know? yeah, yeah so i think the true 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 sacrifice is getting on the ground with them and explaining why they mm. must do something it's it's cut it's cuddling with them it's time it's spending mm. your weekends with them um but again with them doing something preferably that instilling it's not about them but it's not about you either mm. so uh that that's the that's kind of this juxtaposition thing. yeah but um so anyway, that's that's how I define uh, true manhood and true fatherhood is the man that can lay down his life for his family and his life is his passions, his goals, his time, everything. But then in, in a, on the flip side, incorporate them into something bigger than themselves as well. So. Has that kind of always been your, we'll call it mission statement, or has that evolved as you have now had kids and kind of felt more like, you know, that hurt, like that was a harder thing to sacrifice, but it reaped better benefits. And like, maybe that is the definition of fatherhood or, or was that kind of like always what you, what you were going for? No, it's not. This is just in the last two years. Yeah. Cause I'm, I've just been thinking a lot about who are the most successful men that I know. And when I say successful, I'm not talking about finances, but with family, my, mm-hmm. my true gauge of success. And I look at them and I'm like, man, they were the people that were present at the ball games that went camping with their kids. They were around their kids a lot. And if, if everyone's honest with yourself, most men, it's hard to be around your kids a lot. It is because they're, you know, they're just selfish little beings. And, you know, you get more respect from the janitor at (laughs) your work than you do your kids. Right. Right. I mean, and then, and then your wife's stressed out and it's like, sometimes home is the last place you want to be as a man. Yeah. And that's where the sac- that's where the sacrifice mm. comes in is like, by God, I'm going to step up and leave my family, even when it effing sucks. Yeah. And I'm going to be the rock. I'm going to set the course for what we do and what we don't do. And I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, meaning I'm going to be, spend a lot of time here and I'm going to invest in this. And it's, it's the, it's the, it's like anything, it's the hardest thing to do as a selfish being that we are, 
but it pays the largest dividends. Mm-hmm. When when you look back at a godly man from a generation or two ago and you see the fruit of their life through the generations and the, the lack of brokenness in a very broken world, you're like, wow, what did that guy do? Oh my God, he sacrificed everything for his family. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, right now, dude, I just straight up, this is real boots on the ground. I don't like living in Tennessee. Okay. I, I, I could sell the business and move back to Alaska in two shakes of a lamb's tail. And I would be so happy. Totally fulfilled. But my yeah. wife, my, my wife is, comp- is doing really well here. My kids mm. are thriving. here. Yeah. And, and I could totally pull rank and be like, we're out, you know, and, in my wife, yep. I'm the man. This is the way it's going to be. We're just going to yeah, do I'm it. I'm the man. We're the, da, 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 da. Yeah. And, and, you know, and my wife's no pushover by any means. Um, and, but she would trust that I was making, you know, because I, I have a pretty good track record of being somewhat, you know, in tune with God and what he's telling us to do. So she would probably be like, oh, okay. But I think she'd sniff it out pretty quick. But this is a selfish move by Peter. He just wants to go play and he wants to go back where he's comfortable. And he's sacrificing my children's schooling, mm. their friends, their family, our community, our church, my parents, her professional work, know, yeah, her 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 professional work for Peter, and and she'd be right, she'd absolutely be right. And so my what I want to do right now, I can't, and yeah. that is something I struggle with. I struggle mm. with it on a weekly basis. Like God, why why can't I? And uh, but right now, that's what. That's what I'm called to do is sacrifice mm. for my family. They are doing better here than I am. And that is okay. I was gonna say, I think there's a lot of guys out there who can really take heart with that because it feels like I'm sacrificing so I'm not a man, right? Or there's a feeling of like, I'm not getting what I want. And so this, maybe I should be looking at a different marriage or maybe, you know, this is harder than I thought. So I'm having to sacrifice this thing. I want to move back to Alaska, but I can't because of this family. And, and so I think instead of, instead of seeing it as like, oh, this is happening to me. It's more so like, that's actually your litmus test. The element of sacrifice is you doing it right. It's not broken. Right. And so that's why you feel right. that way. You're doing it right, so you feel that way. And I think that's encouraging for a lot of dads. Right. It's no doubt it's hard, man. I mean, it's it's not it's not easy. And there's in the you know, the, the voices are always in the head that, hey, you could have done so much better with this person or, you know, this person or, you know, she doesn't love you. I mean, yeah. like all the things that men hear all the time, the temptations, but they're just trying those those thoughts are just trying to destroy you. And mm. at the end of the day, I mean, really at the end of the day, would you would you give up everything to have your kids say, "Man, my dad loved me, and I mm. love him," and have a deep relationship with your family over everything else? The you know the sports games, the career, all that. Because most people don't hear that. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say, what's what's your dad advice? That's this. This is it. Dad advice. Find men that are doing it well, and and ask them what they're doing. And, 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 and you don't have to say, hey, will you mentor me? Because that's just weird. But just yeah. <laughs> like call them, hang out. Hey, what, what? Your kids are this or that. And then look at the douchebags that are doing it wrong and ask them what they're doing and mm. don't do that. So, I mean, it's, it's that simple. Uh, and and I, I think everybody probably has somebody in their life that has a pretty good marriage or a pretty good, they're a pretty good dad and just mm. start there. And that's, that's what I've done because 
Um, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, you know, with kids and wife, you know, it's like you, you get it and then the season changes and then you don't get it. You know, I mean, it, that's just, it's like continuals, like in and out, in and out of good and in and out of bad, the seasons of life. So, yeah. Anyway, that's it. Well, I mean, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. You've you've blessed us with so much wisdom here and so many great things. And, um, you know, I, I love the the proactive, thoughtful consideration about being a parent, being a dad. Um, you know, I appreciated your your thoughts on kind of where your dadding came from, how that's been informed by your own dad and by this coaching thing and all that. So, the, you know, the evolution of parenting too. And I think, you know, a lot of a lot of parents, myself included, sometimes I feel like, well, this is just who I am. This is just how it's going to be. I just got to grind it out for 18 years or whatever. But I think what you're talking about right. too is it's, it's the growth of being a dad. It's the evolution of it, of being open to learning and and I love your your proactive like find someone you you like what they're doing and someone you don't like what they're doing and and figure out where you land right. in that mix. So, thank you Peter Goodwin for attempting fatherhood. Yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it is an attempt like I said. <laughs> I love it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Attempting Fatherhood. My whole hope with this is that we build a community that encourages dads and that brings new information to the table and and gets you excited about living your life, doing what you're doing. If you have felt that way, please make sure you rate us on Spotify, on Apple. Just rate us. Give us some stars, hopefully five. And make sure you share this. That's equally important. It's a great way to build community, to share this information with other dads. You know, start a text chain, whatever. That helps us. That helps you. We grow this community and all that. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood. Again, thank you so much. And have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.